Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity to share God's Word with you this morning. Before we uh, get into the Scriptures together, I want to recommend a book to you. It's called The Beginning of Wisdom. You can see it on screen now. It's a, a book written by a man called Leon Kass, a, a Jewish theologian. It's, it's arguably the most comprehensive commentary written on Genesis today, and it's also written in a Jewish perspective. It's a book that fascinates me uh, and has helped me immensely in my press preparation this morning. You see, the story of Abraham is, is one of the big stories in the book of Genesis. Abraham is a man who I enjoy uh, his story immensely. He's a man who, who fascinates me. I, like many people, have a, a list of questions I'm going to ask when I get to, to heaven. I, you know, I want to ask Abram these questions. What made you go when God told you? What was your reason for saying yes? What made you trust a God you seemingly didn't know so much about? Uh, before we get into Genesis, I want to read uh, from Paul's summary of Abram's life in, in Romans 4. And he, he says this, For what does the scripture say? Abram believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed in him, and he trusted him. Abram is mentioned 60 times in the New Testament. He has a, a huge part to play across scripture. He is lifted in the, the, the hall of fame in Hebrews 11. Yet what we have in our passage this morning is a very real reminder that Abram was human. And like all of us, uh, from time to time, we need reminding of God's promise. And Abram needed reminding of God's promise. Yet the Lord uh, reminded him of this promise in a very real and a very visual way. So let's read together then from Genesis chapter uh, 15. We're going to read uh, the 21 verses uh, together. So Genesis chapter 15, and as you'll see, it is on screen. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my own household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven, and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought all these and cut them in half and laid each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I will give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land of the Canites, the Canazites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephahim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. It was a man chosen by God. He was elected, or rather rejected, by world leaders for immoral behaviour. He had split from his nephew and rescued him again. Yet with all these ups and downs, we see now a mountaintop experience for Abram. If we take our passage at face value, admittedly it's a very odd way of referring a promise. Yet that is exactly what this passage's purpose is. It's there for God to demonstrate that he will reaffirm his promise to Abraham and ultimately to us. You see, God has made his promise to Abram and is now about to show him in a very real and graphic and visual way that he would understand. Abram's been promised a great nation by God, but he has no children. He asks an honest and straightforward question. How can I be the father of a nation when I am childless? You see, that question had to have rattled around Abram's brain ever since that promise was made to him the first time. See, God tells him to look towards heaven and try and count the number of stars. And as vast as the number of stars is, so vast shall your offspring be. And then Abram had his light bulb moment. He realises that's promise. That's the promise. And with that promise, Abram believed God. Yet God wasn't finished with Abram yet. You see, that the question is, what response do we give when God says, trust me? Do we believe as Abram did, or do we pay lip service to that question and and go on trying to do things on our own strength. You see, the, the next statement is one of the most important in the whole of Scripture. God accounted his belief as righteousness. Abram was put right with God from that moment. Back to, to Paul in Romans, and he says this, But the words it recounted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up for, our, for our, trust, our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see, the promise that Abram was given by God stands for us as well. After all, as we'll discover later, we are children of Abraham. We are heirs according to the promise. Yet as we go back to Genesis, we see that, that Abram is about to receive some very odd instructions from God. God tells Abram to engage in some butchery work and to cut a, a whole raft of animals in half. He tells him to, to take a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and he tells him to take a turtle dove and the young pigeon. God then tells him once he has all these animals, he is to, to cut them in half and to make piles one against the other with a path between them. What we have here is the, the demonstration of a very ancient idea, the act of of cutting these animals in half and making them into to two separate piles with a the path between was an act of cutting a covenant. Let's say that, that you and I are going to do some form of deal. Let's say that, that you decide to, to sell me something. We, we agree a price. We have a, a verbal contract. Uh, to, to seal the deal, the two parties involved in this case would walk between the animals and the deal was sealed. What they were saying to each other was this, if the deal was broken, then whoever broke that covenant would be treated uh, like the animals. 
uh, just as Jeremiah explains in chapter 34 of his prophecy. And it says this, And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before we, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. You see, in Jeremiah, God is, was angry with the people who had not kept his covenant. And he promised that he would deal with them in, a, in the same way as they had dealt with the animal. You see, that, that shouldn't surprise us. We, we know that God is a righteous judge who is, who is holy and will not have sin in his presence. So it shouldn't surprise us that God will deal with his people who do not heed his words. You see, in Genesis, however, and particularly this chapter in, in chapter 15, we're about to get a, a glimpse, a characteristic of God that, shall we say, we're a bit more comfortable with. We are about to get a glimpse of God's promise to us, a promise to encourage us and to give us hope. So Abram uh, obliges, and after his afternoon's butchery work, he, he falls into a deep sleep, and God affirms his promise. God tells Abram all that is to happen to his descendants. What God was about to do now was give God was give Abram something that we all need from time to time. An event that strengthens our confidence in God. You see, the trick that Satan pulls to, to shake our confidence in God is to, to question his word to us. He did it in the garden. He asked Eve, what did God really say that? When our confidence in God fails, we can be away from him. Abram needed an event to restore confidence in God. You see, there are times in our lives when we need events to draw confidence in God. And God gives them to us. We have these mountaintop experiences just like Abram did. And yet we read about these events in scripture where God would remind his people that he is their God. We are his children. And it is his promise to us. You see, to really understand this passage, we need to understand that the word covenant has two meanings. The first and something that is probably more widely known is an agreement. Think of the, the context of the covenant Jesus talked about when he called the, the cup in communion, the cup of the new covenant, in my blood. It was an agreement between uh, us and God that if we believed in Christ, then we would have our reward uh, in the next life. You see, the other meaning of the word covenant is a legal term. And the vast majority of us, if we're honest, find reading legal language as about as exciting as watching paint dry. We will happily tick any terms and conditions box without reading a single word. Legal language, by design, is boring, with one exception. That is, if the legal language is on a document that starts with the words last will and testament. That, friends, is a document that will make us sit up and take notice, particularly if our name is mentioned as a beneficiary. Then we are interested in legal language. Then we are interested. And see, that's its second meaning of the word covenant. And it's that meaning that underpins what is happening between Abram and God. Look at verse 17. It will appear on screen. When the sun had gone down, God himself appeared as a smoking fireplot and a flaming torch, and these things passed between the pieces. You see, God had made the covenant with Abram. Abram had nothing to do with it. God passed between the pieces while Abram was sound asleep. God had made the agreement. God had made the promise. I mentioned a, a last will and a testament. 
And if you were fortunate enough to be left something in my will, you would have done nothing to earn it. This is what God is doing by showing Abram this vision. It is God saying, I will make this covenant with you. You don't have to do anything other than trust me. It is all on me. You see, God has made the same promise for those of us who are Christians. For you to have a relationship with me, the creator God, all you have to do is trust in my son Jesus. You see, you don't have to do anything other than that. Trust in Christ. I have done it for you. I have walked between the pieces. I have done it in my son Jesus' death on the cross. Hebrews 8 says this. The writer is in the middle of, of discussing and showing God's covenants. And he writes these words for us in verse 12. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That is God's promise to us as people who trust him. You see, to quote John Lennox, our security lies in the new covenant made on the cross where God fulfilled the conditions and what we have to do is trust him. You see, this event between Abram and God was used by God to give Abram the thing that I said earlier that we all need from time to time. It was an event that gave Abram confidence in God. It gave Abram confidence in God because God has never broken a promise. And it can give us confidence in the fact that God has sent his only son to deal with our sin. And as a result, we will one day be in heaven with him in the good of that promise. God has committed himself to Abram and Abram had to trust God. Abram trusted in God and believed him. He took him at his word. Do we? We here who sit in the promise. We here who are beneficiaries of God's grace. We here who are beneficiaries of God's mercy. Do we really trust that God has done it for us? You see, if we are Christ's, then we are Abram's offspring. We are heirs according to the promise that I said earlier on. You see, the inheritance that we get from God is an inheritance that will neither spoil nor fade. It is a home in glory, a home for God for eternity. It's the fact that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then one day I will return to take you to be where I am. That's the promise from God. That's the promise that was made at the covenant of the cross. Like Abraham, from time to time we ask the Lord, I am sure, how am I to know? How am I to know that your promise is true? Take heart in this. The Lord has never broken a promise. He is a God who can, we can trust with the most precious thing we have, our lives and our very existence. You see, God gives Abram a glimpse of what would happen to the nation that would come from Abram. God tells him that they would, would be sojourners in the land that they would inherit, but only after years of slavery. That is a huge promise for a man who up until this point is childless. In his word we are promised huge things. That we, just like Abram, have to believe what God says when he promises them to us. He has made the promise. He walked between the pieces. He has done it for us. Leon Cass in the book I mentioned earlier put it this way. Abram's fame and the rest of God's promises will not be so much won as bestowed. A gift of providence to which the Lord here pledges himself unconditionally. We can easily take that statement and apply it to our lives. We have not won 
our salvation. Our salvation has been bestowed upon us. Behold what manner of love, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we, that we should be called the children of God. You see, Abram's continuing trust in God is based on his belief that God is just and will keep his promises. The basis of the gospel is this, that God has done something and will do something about it. And we, all we have to do is receive and we do not earn it. You see, Abram is given assurance and certainty by God. And as we live in a world that is uncertain and unassured, we can have assurance and certainty in God, just like Abraham. So as I close, I do so with verse 15. Abram has promised this, you shall go to your fathers. You see, this is a, a circumlocution used by God to mean death. And yet in this context, it is used by God to mean ongoing life. Abram would go to the father's side as a man who trusted God. We are a people who will go to see the Father face to face as a people who trusted God. The life that we have with Jesus, life eternal, that is his promise. You see, God's promise to us is eternity. We will go to be where God is and God will send Jesus himself to come and get us. It's a promise. It's a covenant. And it was nothing to do with us. It was all of God. He did it. He walked between the pieces. It was all of Christ. I hope you found encouragement in the Lord's word this morning. Thank you for watching. I hope you are encouraged and, and to trust God and to find assurance in him just as Abram did. And uh, as I leave you, may the Lord bless and keep you as you go into this week.